Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening. I'm William Hosea. Welcome once again to Bring It On. We are an award, a multiple award-winning show celebrating over 12 years as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting our African-American community. And good evening. I'm Cornelius Wright. In today's broadcast, you'll hear our talented broadcasting crew offer their perspectives on what's relevant in the African-American world of news during what we refer to as our Bring It On Roundup, all in the next hour. I'll bring it on. First, as uh, Cornelius just shared from time to time, we gather the Bring It On crew for a roundtable discussion. And tonight, with the holiday season upon us and the close of 2017 in view, we wanted to gather and discuss a variety of topical subjects of interest for the black community. Before introducing our roundtable participants, we'll list the relevant areas we hope to touch on. Sexual misconduct has dominated the news for several weeks. The opening of the Civil Rights Museum in Jackson, Mississippi, has garnered much attention. Tomorrow brings a controversial Senate election in Alabama. Speaking of Alabama, the state required voter IDs and then shut down licensing offices in black districts. According to Alabama Senate candidate Roy Moore, America was great during slavery. Also, as shared here on Bring It On last week, the NFL has reached a curious settlement with the Players Coalition over the anthem protests. Former President Barack Obama warns President Trump that his reckless assaults on democracy could lead America on a parallel path to that of Nazi Germany. And finally, if we have time, we'll explore how race and gender collide in a contentious Atlanta mayoral uh, runoff. Joining us tonight is our producer Clarence Boone and Bring It On contributors Beverly Callender Anderson and by phone Amrita Myers. To all my esteemed colleagues, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I'm Rita. Are you there? Yes, I am. Glad to be glad to be here, even if it is just by phone. And, right and, there. And could you that, bring us some of that good weather that Georgia has? Because it's cold up here. It's cold down there too, <laughs> isn't it? Well, it's uh, it's not very nice right now. I mean, we had snow on Friday and Saturday, which is very very unusual down here, and so it's been uh, an interesting weather weekend. Let's put it that way. Oh, you brought the cold weather there, okay? <laughs> 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 well, I do know it's heating up down that way. Yeah, they are blaming me. <laughs> Amrita, uh, this is Clarence. Uh, from what I hear, it is heating up there with a mayoral race that's being uh, contended very uh, hotly. Uh, let's start with that since we're sort of talking about Atlanta. We can get back to a whole yeah. host of things. But uh, tell us, Amrita, what is going on in Atlanta in the ATL? The, the, yeah, it's actually pretty much been settled by this point, uh, Clarence. But to give um, our listeners back in Indiana the nutshell version of what was going on, uh, there were originally somewhere in the neighborhood of a dozen candidates who threw their hats in the ring for the mayoral position. And after a you know, number of debates and runoffs, et cetera, it came down to the two final contenders, both women, 
one African-American, Keisha Lance Bottoms, one white, Mary Norwood. Uh, both have long, you know, histories of, you know, civil engagement and participation and action in the city. Norwood is white, um, as I said, and Lance Bottoms is black. And it became a pretty um, heated runoff for a number of reasons. Norwood has run in the past and lost by just, you know, a few hundred votes, so she was really anxious to win this time. Uh, but there was a, the problem wasn't just that she was white. The problem was that she refused, even though she ran as an independent candidate, she, she refused to ever distance herself from Trump or openly, uh, basically, call him out for his inappropriate commentary, behavior, et cetera. I mean, Atlanta being as diverse of a city as it is, right, it's had black mayors for the last 44 years. It takes great pride in that huge middle-class professional black community here. So the fact that Norwood refused to distance herself from Trump or call him out and, and say that she didn't agree with him in his politics um, was, a, was a serious factor. Um, the final runoff between the two women happened last Tuesday, and Lance Bottoms did win. Uh, it was a very, very close, uh, close uh, election. I mean, it, it literally came down to less than 600 votes. Norwood is understandably quite upset, this being her second loss um, as trying to be mayor of Atlanta. She's calling for a recount, but it's doubtful that anything will change. Um, so if everything goes through, uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms will take office in January. She's already put together a transition team um, and is working to do that. Uh, so she will, you know, she will continue the tradition of uh, Atlanta being a city of, of black mayors. So that's kind of the, the, the short version of the story. I guess, Amarita, with, with it being such a close election, how are the people in Atlanta? I mean, it, it, obviously it's divided. So how are things going there? Uh, you know, I think that people in general have been pretty, the, I think the candidates were perhaps more contentious towards one another in some ways than the, than the voters have been. I mean, everyone that I've talked to, that I've spoken to about it, and who you know, has come up in conversation, they've been... You know, they're like Atlanta is a very diverse city. Its demographics are changing because so many people have moved here from other parts of the country. A lot of New Yorkers, right? A lot of people from the Northeast, Chicago, et cetera, have come down. So the demographics are changing. It's no, it's no longer just a black and white city. And it's no, I mean, and if it continues, if the migration continues the way it has been, the trend continues, it's not going to be um, a majority black city. It's going to become a, a racial plurality with a lot of different ethnic groups in the mix. But that's also, that's part of the reason why the elections have been so close is because it's not just black and white anymore. And a lot of these new folks who have moved in over the last two decades are really shifting the, the political landscape and any, any person who runs for mayor, white, black, or otherwise, is going to have to make sure that their platform clearly addresses all groups. And that was one of the criticisms against Lance Bottoms' you know, run, is that she was really strongly articulating herself as bright, a, a woman from Atlanta, an African-American woman descended from slaves, you know, from slaves and slaveholders. But a lot of people were saying, well, what about, what about all the other folks in Atlanta who don't have their histories don't go go back to either one of those groups so i think going forward we're going to have to really see that cities like atlanta that are changing like this um, are going to have that the candidates are going to have to speak to more than just the black white demographics but i honestly from what i've heard and seen so far people have been 
very, although very passionate, very respectful about the situation, you know, that's been going on. So, Amrita, what has changed that you don't think there will be a recount now? Because I know that Norwood was really calling for a recount a couple of days ago. There may still be one. Um, it hasn't been finalized, but even even all of the quote-unquote political pundits and experts are saying that it's doubtful that a recall will change anything. The same thing happened when she ran eight years ago, and she called for a recall at that point as well, and the margin was even closer at that point than uh, it is this time. Okay. Um, so she kind so of that's, how Hillary that's, felt, the, huh? that's basically what people are saying. All right. <clears throat> well, great. Thanks. You mentioned they were kind of contentious towards each other. I was going to say somebody named Keisha's in the race. You know it's going to be a little bit drama. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, any... actually, most of the, <laughs> the mudslinging came from Mary Norwood because Keisha Lance Bottoms has been seen very much as a part of Kasim Reed's administration, and there's been a lot of allegations against his administration for corruption. There's investigations happening. And so Norwood really started to attempt to smear Lance Bottoms as being sort of part of that continuing legacy of corrupt leadership coming out of Kasim Reed's administration. And so, right, you know, trying to sort of say that she's just like, Kasim Reed, you know, you don't, we want a new administration, we don't want to continue this legacy of corruption, et cetera. And she also made pot shots about uh, Lance Bottoms only being really like a candidate for certain communities, whereas Norwood would be uh, the, the candidate for all Atlantans. And so there was some really uh, interesting coded racial language that she was using. She went there, huh? She did go there. She did. She okay. Did. Um... So now that we have brought ourselves up to speed on uh, what's on the Atlanta mayoral race, let's go ahead and talk about uh, one of the hottest topics in the news right now, and that's the the current wave of uh, allegations uh, of sexual assault and misconduct. So I'm going to start off with a story actually about former Congressman Harold Harold Ford Jr. Um, a former U.S. Democratic lawmaker, Harold Ford Jr., turned investment banker, threatened to sue Morgan Stanley after he was fired from the bank for inappropriate conduct. A spokeswoman told Reuters on Thursday that Ford had been fired, saying that he was let go for conduct inconsistent with our values and in violations of our policies. The news of Ford's departure was first reported by the Huffington Post, which cited interviews with an unnamed woman who claimed Ford harassed her on a night several years ago. Ford issued a statement to multiple media outlets that denies any allegations and threatens legal action against the bank, as well as the person who made the allegations against him, who Ford describes as a news reporter. And then it goes on to uh, actually list a statement, which I'm not going to read. But, you know, when when you take into... um, when you factor in all of the the allegations that have been made and the consequences, uh, particularly Al Franken, uh, Representative Conyers, it, it seems like we have a pendulum problem because mm-hmm. here now we've gotten to the point where one allegation, one woman, and and a man loses his job. Now that's not to say, of course, of course, that women should not be heard. Who, who want to make allegations, but what should be the bar or what's th- uh, the threshold? Because so far there, there, ha- there is no due process, and, and that's important going forward. Now, well, now let, me get, let me get a little bit of clarity. You mean as far as um, uh, 
Representative uh, Harold Ford. Harold Ford Jr., yeah. His particular situation, or are we talking about uh, Franken uh, and and because there was more than one woman that came forward. In those not situations. for Harold Ford Jr. Okay, so you're saying now, okay. With I'm Harold, saying okay. that's what right. it has descended to, <clears throat> one woman and one allegation, well, and he's out. Yeah, I don't think that the number of women um, should matter. I mean, if, if it's one woman and and the charge is what it is and it's proven to be true, I think it is what it is. Um, I think what we have found is that there are so many, and, and we're just talking about folks in the political realm, but if you think about Matt Lauer and Weinstein and mm-hmm. some, and, you know, all Charlie other, Rose. Charlie just, Rose, exactly. Um, we're just, we're being bombarded with this now, and I think that people are rushing to judgment. I mean, there there isn't a lot of due process because they they want to be seen on the side of right. They want so for so long women have not been believed and women have been pushed aside. And not just women because men have been assaulted as well because there was Terry Crews, you know, he's one of the men that that was assaulted. But so many times folks have not been believed that now we've we've brought that pendulum so far back that that it's just we've got to do something immediately and I think we have to get to the middle uh, so that we don't get to that point where people can just come out and say something and someone is punished without, and it may or may not be true. And that's what I'm saying. We're at that point. It's, well, it's, it's but, happened. But we're also at the point to where the president of the United States, on his campaign trail, in his own words, has made that he did these type of allegations on a regular basis and nothing has been done. Nothing has been talked about. It's like it's swept under the rug. Um, so if these that's exactly other- what I was going to say. That's exactly where I was headed. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and to that point, we still have Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court. Thank exactly. you. And, and so, again, and I agree with everything that's been said, that a lot of the actions are despicable if, if true. And as William stated, a lot of it is unsubstantiated. So... Now, that being said, if people are resigning, obviously they know that something's right. going on or they wouldn't. So with, with Ford, well, who is saying that he's going to sue for his good name, he's the only person that I've ever heard of all these allegations that have actually come up to say. No, no, uh, no, no, no President that, Trump right. said and, and he was Roy going Moore. to sue those women. Well, okay. Yeah. I, well, I was and, talking and, about and credible and people. Excuse me. I'm putting my dad. <laughs> but I also think I don't think just because a person resigns mean that means that they're guilty. No, true, and, right? And I will say, and I I don't know that you know whether I saw the picture from uh, Franken, um, but I do think that there are some people that will will take the shot for the good of the the many. And so, in some ways, I think Al Franken went down for the good of the party. Yeah, he did some things where they took. I the, did acknowledge that he had actually engaged in some of those things. Right. Too, so. But whether they were at the same level as Trump or or Weinstein or Matt Lauer with the whole locking the door from his desk thing, um, you know, I don't know. But but I do think that he put the good of the party in front of himself so that he would not be a distraction. Now, let's flip that script just a little bit, because in Detroit, we had John Conyers that basically did the same thing. And now we have the governor of the state who is withholding his seat which is going to give the rep- the House of Representatives one less vote. Mm. So, you know, it looks like we take we're taking the high road as so f- as as so far as the right thing to do, and yet the GOP plays right into their hands. They're playing to win. Yeah. The GOP will exploit and uh, manipulate any situation that they possibly can. 
And that to me, that that tactic is no different than what uh, McConnell did with that Supreme Court seat. Absolutely. You know, before we get too far into um, uh, not putting people in in political positions, lest we forget, it was what eighteen months ago we were in here talking about a gentleman named Bill Cosby, mm-hmm. and and that is still not resolved. Right. Um, right. And that was the bombshell of the moment, and then Weinstein seemed to have trumped Bill Cosby, but yet it was just, is it the power, is it uh, the control, is it I can, can control your, your rise in this industry, I am a gatekeeper. Um, what is at the root of this? And the answer to that question, Clarence, I think is yes, because when you look at the folks that have been accused, they are people that have power, you know, and they, and, and it's not about sex. I don't, I don't think any of this is about sex. I think a lot of it is about power, whether it's Bill Cosby being at that point in his career where he could almost buy a TV station or Weinstein who had people's careers in their hands or, you know, any of that. I mean, that's you know. a good point. And Russell yeah. Simmons. And Russell well, Simmons. Exactly. Go, go ahead, I'm Rita. I'd like to jump in on that because this is exactly what we've been talking about in, you know, in classes and in discussions all over the country, right, that rape culture, right, and anything to do with sexual harassment, sexual assault, it's always about power, right? Whether it's, you know, the guy who owns the bodega down the street harassing the woman who works for him or the president of the United States, the location might change. But the power dynamics remain the same. It's always about making somebody feel helpless right, or making them feel that that their only choice in getting ahead is to perform a sexual act or whatever the case might be. You, the person, in, the person is always in the position of power and feels like he can get away with it. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, I think it's really, I understand and I take the point seriously about, you know, we don't want to end up in a place where it's like witch hunts where, you know, anybody can say anything and somebody's going to lose their job, have their reputation destroyed, whatever. But I think that for centuries, it's all you know. It's been the case where women have not been believed, and people have not. Sorry, am I still on? Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. <laughs> no, we didn't hit the oh, button. Yes. We didn't hit that button. Thank goodness, yet. <laughs> I mean, it got really quiet for a second, oh, and no. I was, we were so different. We were different. Yes, <laughs> you know? but if you're if you're no, pausing was, for us but, to I mean, interject my, something, yeah. My concern <laughs> is that you know, for if we. Women for a long time were afraid to come forward. We know that most sexual assaults, harassments, and rapes go unreported mm-hmm. because people are afraid that they won't be believed, right? And so I think we have to be, I think we have to be willing to listen. I mean, the fact that people with the Me Too campaign, which, by the way, yes. that phrase was coined by an African-American woman about a decade ago, mm-hmm. right? The Me Too campaign started this sort of off a couple of months ago. It took off. It went viral. It went global. Dozens and then hundreds and then millions of women became began coming forward with their stories of abuse, harassment, and rape. Right, and then men began coming forward about things that, that had been done to them that they were they, that there were men who had also been assaulted. Right, we know that this is happening around the globe. Right, misogyny is not particular to the United States, but it has led you know that 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 global sort of Me Too hashtag moment has now led to this incredible 
opening in U.S. society where people are stepping forward and being brave enough. And it's not just celebrities. Like, average everyday people are coming forward and talking about what's happening to them and calling out their accusers on college campuses like Spelman, all the way up to, you know, the fact that the women who said Trump harassed them and assaulted them are now trying to, like, take a second kick at the can, right? So, um, because they want him being, to be investigated just like Frank, you know, just like Frank and others are being investigated. I think this is a really powerful moment, and I think that it's going to mean giving women the bravery and the courage to come forward because so many others are doing the same thing. I would hesitate to shut that down. So I'm just trying to figure out how we do we sort of straddle the line in terms of making sure that, you know, people aren't being summarily, you know, judged and executed. And Rita, Rita, I want to add one thing that we don't have time to talk about, but there's something that Beverly touched on. There's something that you just sort of uh, summarized. That was the fear involved in reporting and coming forward and pressing to to a case toward to a trial. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I heard spoken of a lot with Weinstein in particular was that Women either consented in some situations because they felt that, yes, he did have the power to propel my career. And, and it's, that, it's that thinking that I think at some point should be talked about. And Beverly says, well, you look at history. You look at the fact that it's power, control, it's this, that, and the other. Mm. And it's not always sex. And, and sometimes maybe an open dialogue or, and I know there have been dialogues about this, but that needs to be explored too. It's the mind, the mind warp or whatever. And Beverly wants to emphatically say something and, and I, here I, it is. And I know we don't have a lot of time here, <clears throat> but, but I just want to challenge your word consent because if your job is in mm-hmm. somebody else's hand or if your life livelihood is in somebody else's hands, that is not really consent. Mm-hmm. See, that, that's why we have Beverly on the show. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> what, is, what, is, what is the proper word? It, so what is the proper? I mean, is it? Well, it's coercion. It's coercion. It, yeah. I okay. mean, it's, it's not really Manipulation, exploitation. Okay. Exactly. Right. Yeah. exactly. Now, now, if you've just tuned in to bring it on, uh, you're hearing a very spirited conversation, which uh, we from time to time will have on this show. And when we gather those individuals who uh, volunteer with us, uh, the experts, if you will, from all walks of life who bring their expertise here to uh, discuss and hash out some of these issues. We're going to take a pause right now and sort of uh, get ready for the next series of conversations. But we're going to have a music break at this time. We're going to turn things over to Kirsten, our engineer in the studio. Yes, 
Support for WFHB comes from Limestone Post, an online culture and lifestyle magazine for Bloomington and beyond. Explore articles, photo essays, and videos on the arts, outdoors, local history, community events, and all the topics that make Bloomington such a great place to live. Limestone Post, writers with a voice, photographers with a vision, online at limestonepostmagazine.com. And I bring you back to Bring It On. From the CD project entitled Christmas with Shirley Caesar, we heard the iconic holiday standard, The Little Drummer Boy. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bring it on at wfhb.org. At the top of the hour we share from time to time, we gather the Bring It On staff for a roundtable discussion. Tonight, with the holiday season upon us and the close of 2017 in view, we wanted to gather and discuss a variety of topical subjects of interest for the black community. So we're going to go ahead and turn it over to Beverly, and she's going to uh, lead the discussion about... Uh, Oh, one engineering check. Um, Amrita, are you still there? 
Oh, yes. Okay. All right. Go ahead. All right. She ain't going nowhere. Okay. As I was saying, Beverly's going to uh, lead off with a story about the Civil Rights Museum opening down in Jackson, oh, Mississippi. Oh, Jackson. This is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as many of us know, President Trump made a brief visit to Mississippi's capital on Saturday to attend the opening of a new civil rights museum, and his presence sparked a boycott by lawmakers, civil rights icons, and protesters who questioned his commitment to racial equality. The building, which along with a companion state history museum, opened at a cost of $90 million, is the first state-owned civil rights museum in the nation. It launched as Americans grapple with growing racial divisions that many activists blame Trump for fueling. And some of those who boycotted Trump's visit were Representative John Lewis, a Georgia Democrat, Representative Benny Thompson, former Governor Mayor Ray Mabus, Jackson Mayor Chakwe Lumumba. Uh, they, all included, they also included members of the NAACP, whose national president cited Trump's abysmal civil rights record in calling for him to skip the event. Mr. President, he said, we don't need you in Mississippi to tell us what a civil rights movement is about, said Lumumba, I'm sorry, who gathered with activists at an African-American history center about a mile west of the opening to condemn Trump's arrival. So my question for, for the roundtable would be, by, does, does Trump get this invitation by virtue of uh, being president? Whether no matter what his record is, was that appropriate? Because he is the president of the United States. Unfortunately, let me throw this out there: the governor of Alabama is the same guy that signed into law voter ID laws, and he's the same guy that closed licensing uh, offices, mostly, primarily in black districts. This is the same guy who invited uh, Donald Trump. No, 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 no. That's two different states. No, Alabama, this is Mississippi. Mississippi uh, that, isn't that what I said? The no, Civil Rights Museum is in Alabama. Mississippi. You're talking about Alabama. You're talking about Alabama. You're talking about Alabama. The museum is in Mississippi. Mississippi. Yes. That's okay. Okay. But, but, but to your but question. The, the governor did invite Donald Trump. The governor of Mississippi. The governor of Mississippi. Yeah, yes. I said Alabama. Right. Yes. Okay. I said Alabama. My, my mistake. The governor, that, that doesn't change anything that right. I said except the location. <laughs> but the governor, the, the, the same guy that wants to suppress the black vote um, is also the same guy that invited Donald Trump to the mm-hmm. museum. And it's the only state-owned civil rights museum in the country. So I think the governor did that as a further slap in the face to the black uh, community down there in Mississippi. I agree with what William said, but I also have to go here, unfortunately. It's the office, not the person. Now, I totally agree with everything you said, but the question was, was it appropriate for him to be invited? Yes, it was. Should he have been invited? No, but but I think it was appropriate because of the office, not the person. No, and no, here's my thing, though. This is not a federal or right. national museum. If it was being opened in D.C., that's something different. But he was invited by the governor of that state. It's my only thing. Not a federal, it's not a federal institution. Right, right, I agree with that. He didn't have to invite the president at all. But he did. And so the but question was, was a, it, but the question is, to, it was, no, I agree. I totally agree with you. But the question was, was it appropriate? And let's talk about the office and not the person. Let's take we a can vote. separate that. Let's well, take a well, vote. Well, before we do, you got, you got to also consider the optics of it. You know, Alabama is near mm-hmm. uh, Mississippi. Is near Mississippi. Mississippi. And, um, you know, there are a lot of things going on in the news in Alabama. Although we are in Mississippi, Roy Moore again. 
Anytime he gets an opportunity to get close and then spot off a little bit, he's going to do it, especially now. But we will say this. The vice president of the NAACP in Bloomington, Indiana, was not there. I don't know. And what I that preach, has no, to do I'm, with just, I'm just messing with William. But <laughs> 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 well, the, now, and, and where I, I think, I, in some ways, I can agree with Clarence, uh, Cornelius. I'm sorry about the office. The, one of the things that I thought about was how he disrespected the Navajo Wind Talkers at the mm-hmm. event oh, oh, where oh, th- where he was supposed oh, to be honoring oh, them and then ended up talking about Pocahontas or something. Oh, and, oh my lord. And so and so with that as my backdrop, I think and I'm yeah. not the governor, so I wouldn't have been thinking like the governor, but I I stand with these people that boycotted it because yes, I do too. there there's no way that he can I mean he doesn't even have one-eighth of a sense of, of civil rights that a John uh, Lewis or or Benny Thompson have. I mean, you know, they are the icons. And so, um, yeah, I couldn't even see them this standing. Is, this is the man yeah. who said that John Lewis was all talk and no action. Yeah, yes, correct. yes. Okay, I mean, this is the mayor of Jackson himself refused to attend for this reason. I mean, I'm, I would have been out there with the demonstrators. They were peaceful, but they were like, you need to leave because this is insulting. Yeah. I mean, his presence is an insult given the way he speaks to and about people of color. Yeah. And he brought Ben Carson with him. Um, I know. So, yeah, so. Well, another, yeah. <laughs> one, yeah. more, one more ironic thing, he did not stay for the ribbon cutting. Hmm. He left early. Mm-hmm. You know, let, let me say, I agree with Amrita 100% state facility donald trump had no standing Mm. the mayor only did that to offend uh i mean the governor only did that to offend black people in that state well and the governor could have done it to offend black people the governor could have done it because he's looking for some federal money to come through his state i mean you know i mean it's just because it's not always truthfully it's not always about race sometimes it's about politics um and and sometimes they get conflated i mean and and sometimes it's about both but it could be he just didn't take into consideration or care about black people that he was looking out for his state and and trying to massage i'm a little i'm a bit more cynical when it comes to republicans looking out for his back pocket yeah oh yeah speaking of (laughs) speaking of the south the volatile alabama senate race i think think we should talk about alabama all right I, i was headed right there let's go the volatile Alabama Senate race has generated national headlines oh. with the allegations of sexual misconduct by the Republican candidate Roy S. Moore and the question of whether Mr. Moore's white evangelical base will stick by him. Um, I'm not going to even go any further into this particular piece, but let's just go with that. Uh, when I was on my way here, I saw President Trump on CNN basically telling the country that they should be voting for Roy Moore. Oh, yes, he actually, Trump actually recorded a robocall that went out to Alabama voters over the weekend telling them that they should absolutely go and vote for Roy Moore because if Doug Jones wins, it will destroy Trump's ability to further his his conservative agenda. I mean, it is absolutely appalling. This is a man... Roy Moore is a man who isn't just, hasn't just been accused of sexual assault. If these charges and allegations are true, which they, which they, are, they very much seem to be, he's a pedophile and a child molester. Exactly, yes. exactly. Yeah. And unfortunately... He's a child molester, and the President of the United States is endorsing a child molester. Why am I not surprised, given that the man himself in the White House 
is someone who harasses women and has no respect for them. We have a misogynist in the Oval Office endorsing a child molester to become senator. It is absolutely unconscionable. For the GOP's political gain. And unfortunately, unfortunately, there's one other thing to and consider. And I'm not, I'm not surprised. Um, I know that those, and I know his base will still support more because they've actually uploaded videos to YouTube saying that they're going to continue to support more because of all kinds of bizarro reasons. Well, 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 well. Consider this: if Doug Jones had gotten some traction just on his platform, uh, you know, I know he's a Democrat and in a deep red state. I mean, the odds. You know, if this scandal weren't here, it would have been tough enough. This is a gentleman that successfully prosecuted that case with the bombing of the four black mm-hmm. girls. And that, and that is lost. Mm-hmm. That's lost in all this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's surfaced from time to time. They've had commercials, and they're pouring a ton of money down there. But I, I would have wished that the Democratic Party could have rallied behind just Doug Jones, the man. And, yeah. you know, because at one point he, he was getting a somewhat a significant lead. Well, he, ha- he actually has a 10 point lead. According to a Fox <coughs> News poll today, he has a 10 point lead. However, some people think that that's <coughs> been planted by the Republicans to bring them out. Um, so depending on if you believe in that conspiracy theory or not. But I think the other thing is that nobody is looking at records. Right. Roy Moore has been kicked yep. off. Yep the courts uh, as as a judge in in the courts in Alabama. I mean, he had, it's not just the child molesters, not just the pedophilia. He's got other things, you know, um, and and nobody's looking at that. And he's not even running. If you really think about it, Roy Moore is not, he's running. He's not campaigning. He's running on his name. He's, it's just, he's letting everybody else do it. He's not talking to people. He's not coming out. He's not campaigning. And Doug Jones is, I'm not Roy Moore. I mean, and so nobody is really campaigning on issues, and mm-hmm. and whether or not they were, I don't I don't know if that would ma- matter. In every, time Roy, every time Roy Moore opens his mouth, he says something really foolish, like when someone asked him when was America ever great. Ah. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think I think that you know, that statement. That statement. We, we might have had about. slavery, but we had strong families. We need to talk about that. Statement. United families, and our country was united. And I'm like, the slavery families statement. were strong and united under slavery, <laughs> not black people. No. Right. The slavery. No, not when you were taking yeah, folks' the babies were, out of families their families. Families were better. We've got about four and a half minutes to talk about uh, this little. You know, milestone of history that that Roy dropped on, I guess, a black reporter. The timing yeah. of that uh, response, the, re, he, the rationale yeah. behind it. He wanted to get rid of all the amendments beyond the Tenth Amendment, I think, hmm. which would have included uh, uh, the, the Twitter sphere erupted. I mean, it yeah. was absolutely. <laughs> I was like, this man did not just say that America was great when we had slavery. When we had slavery, he did. <laughs> but, but let's think about the voter uh, uh, repression, what they're doing down in, in, in Alabama also, to where, you know, William brought it up earlier, that they're yep. closing districts where you have to have voter ID, but then they close the motor vehicles uh, so where you can't so get So you can't ID. get ID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and then look at who this guy is ultimately, may ultimately replace, Jeff Sessions. Oh, Lord. So, you know, this is a... Uh, well, I don't want to say, you know, there's some great people in Alabama, but really? it birthed a Jeff Sessions, and now it's about to birth a Roy Moore. And and I'm thinking I, that Doug Doug Jones, who, a man of integrity, there's an opportunity here, people, and I hope they do the right thing on tomorrow. We're, we're about up on another break, and we're going to go ahead and, and we're at this time, we'll go ahead and take a music break. And then come back and sort of round up our discussion. Uh, there are about 20 other things we're going to talk about. We're going to have an extended <laughs> bring it on into the yeah. 8 o'clock hour. 
But uh, at this time, we're going to go with our music break. So, Kirsten, take take it away. (laughs) We have come once again to the time of the year where we celebrate. Let our hearts fill with heart and let's clap and rejoice. The birth of the Lamb is why we dance. So with gladness we proclaim the victory is won. Yeah. Salvation, glory, and honor. God has given us His Son, and His name is Jesus. Say it again, Jesus. One more time. 
Support for WFHB comes from the Rider Film Series, for more than a quarter century presenting foreign language, independent, and classic American films at locations around Bloomington. Information about this week's screenings at thewriter.com. And I bring you back to Bring It On. You just heard His Name is Jesus by Fred Hammond with the 2007 Wild Gospel, Gospel Christmas compilation that showcases 30 classic Christmas songs from today's top gospel artists. To keep up with local news and find out what's happening behind the scenes at WFHB, you are invited to like our Facebook page. Go to Facebook.com and search for WFHB, or you can always visit the WFHB news website at WFHB.org slash news. Bring It On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community. Here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at WFHB.org. For Bring It On, I'm Cornelius Wright. I'm William Hosea. Once again, at the top of the hour, we shared from time to time, we gather the Bring It On staff for a roundtable discussion. Tonight, with the holiday season upon us and the close of 2017 in view, we wanted to gather and discuss a variety of topical subjects of interest for the black community. We continue now with our final few topical points for discussion. And there's one in particular that we, we did not want this evening to get away uh, without us talking about. And, and a quick phone check. And Rita, you're still there. Yep, I sure am. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. During a rally in Pensacola, Florida, uh, last Friday night, President Donald Trump responded to chants from the crowd to lock her up by railing against the rigged system in the United States. Look. It's being proven we have a rigged system, Trump said. Doesn't happen so easy, but this system, there will be a lot of changes. This is a sick system from the inside, Trump continued, and there's no country like our country, but we have a lot of sickness in some of our institutions. Trump's comments also came a few days after former President Barack Obama warned in a speech that without protecting democracy, the United States could easily fall into the same trap that helped the Nazi rise, the Nazis rise to power in the 1930s in Germany. And I'll stop right there. Um, that's not the first time I've heard that. I heard while uh, candidate Trump was running that there was a Jewish delegation that they were complaining and people really weren't listening. They're saying, look, people, we have heard this talk before. And he is very divisive, he's polarizing, and he is, he's not diplomatic. Um, and as, as the leader of the free world, when he goes abroad, we all hold our breaths because we don't know what he's going to say or what he's going to do. Hold and my breath when he's here. When we hold it, you know, and, and we just, just collect ourselves. So thoughts on that? The parallels are scary. Yeah. I, I wake up, and I'm serious about this, I wake up daily wondering, as a war started when I went to sleep last night. I have the same fear. And, uh, I, you know, both statements are true. Uh, it is sick on the inside. Obviously, he looked in the mirror, and what President Obama said was, was right on track. And, and as you mentioned during the campaign, everyone saw it, and the scary thing is they still elected him. And he still has the same followers, those people. He could, he, he can do no wrong. He can say whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. He even said, they, he, he even said, yes. I can go to Times Square. And kill someone. And, and they'll still vote for me. And, and it continued after the inaugural. It was the size of the crowd. Pictures were there to show, to show that this was not the case. 
But yet, he, to this day, he still argues that I had yeah. the largest crowd in history. But I think a lot of people judge 45 um, on some other kind of scale. We, we you know, people That's judge true. him against Obama. True. They judge him against Bush. He is not that person. And I think that that what he's doing is very intentional. I, I, I don't think this is by accident. I don't think he's happening into this. When you look at who his heroes are, his heroes are generals. He wants to lead an army. He wants to start a war. He wa- he's like he's like a big kid. I mean, and, and I don't mean big kid in a, in a nice way. I mean, junior high school. You know, he, he gets behind trucks and and pretends to drive big trucks. I mean, it's, it's just something he's not definitely not presidential material. Um, and and to think of him as leader of the free world is quite scary. I think that's part well, of what the he problem. Is a bully. Yes. yes. That's actually what makes him so dangerous because he's not very bright. He's extremely emo- like driven by emotion, mm-hmm. uh, as are most of his voters, apparently, negative emotions. And, and he, when he doesn't get his way, he simply gets louder and more aggressive and angrier, and he, and he he's a bully. He uses the most incredibly juvenile tactics, and that makes him a terrifying leader of the free world. I mean, for, I mean, for the last several years, you know, when it looked like he was actually going to be a serious candidate, I was like, you want to give this man the nuclear codes, the launch codes? Well, that's the scary thing, Amrita. There's so many followers that still follow him. North Korea bombing us in a minute. I mean, it is absolutely... You don't, he's not a diplomat. It's not just that he doesn't have the education or the experience. He doesn't have the temperament. No. He is a bully, and we will find ourselves fighting more than one war. But that's, that, Beverly's right. That's what he wants, because he wants to be a glorious general. Yes. Here, here's another thing that uh, scares me, in addition to this guy having launch codes, is his attempts to delegitimize the press and then to yes. normalize Fox News. And I was watching a rant by Sean Hannity yesterday against Robert Mueller. Sean Hannity, Newt Newt Gingrich, they're all on the warpath trying to uh, discredit Robert Mueller and the work he's doing. And if they can move that needle just a little bit, then that's going to embolden Donald Trump to fire Robert Mueller. And by the way, I think right now Robert Mueller is the most important person in the country. Right. Well, ne- next to my wife. Well, right next now. to your wife. But so my question is, how do we counteract that? I mean, how how do do right thinking? And I don't know if I should say right or wrong. But how how do people who want to keep this, you know, the country as as we build it, the democracy that we have, and and make it better? How do we counteract Fox News and and Trump and all of and voter, those followers. Voter That's registration just, in 2018. Well, but the, the scary thing to me is, Beverly, an answer to that is, it seems that this was an intentional effort, not only on Donald Trump's part, but a lot of his followers, that they are tired of the status quo system in Washington, D.C., and wanted to shake things up, which they have done. Right. And so... Yeah. I think this was an intentional move in a lot of ways. If you look back to what happened with a, you had eight years of a black candidate, a black president, all of a sudden the top front runners were a woman and two Hispanics on the GOP part. Mm-hmm. They lost their minds and didn't know yeah. what to do. But I tell you who's scarier than Donald Trump to me is yes. Steve Bannon. Oh, well, yes. It's Steve <laughs> Bannon because he's the puppet master. I think yeah. he's I think the puppet Mike master. Mike Pence is actually even scarier. Say, yeah. I'm sorry? 
Pence. It's Mike Pence is he? Uh, well, yeah, that too. But I, the problem I, is we don't have anyone on the Democratic <clears throat> side coming up with what people have said, issues. In Alabama, we're talking about I'm not Roy Moore. Who am I and what am I going to do? It seems like we're always on that fighting end to where we haven't come up for anything for people to vote for yeah. other what, than what he, I'm not Donald Trump. What, what, he, what about uh, uh, Joe Biden? There, there was uh, several documentaries the other day. Just They were out there. I That's mean, oh, and, and, and I, no, no, no. Here I'm we are sorry. jumping on ageism. I, no, wait, I am. Wait, I but, mean, we got to get to the real But I'm just saying, now. I'm just saying um, there, was, there was a lot of political uh, – what they call a capital spent on trying to have a quick documentary pulled together on Joe Biden. Just it's like throw him out there, see what the response is. And you know he never said he wouldn't do it, but he might. But but one thing, one thing, and I know it. I, consensus is already showing that Joe Biden may not be the guy. But but one thing, I heard this today, and and we may hear more about it. There they are getting reports from inside uh, the Trump administration, the cabinet, that people are saying that he routinely drinks uh, large amounts of Diet Coke, which is not a sin, which is not a problem. But then he's turning right around, and he's saying the way we're going to confront people is pretend that every day you wake up, you are on a reality TV show, and that the goal of it is is, is for us to vanquish our enemies. Now, we'll probably hear a little bit more of this in more news cycles, but I found that rather interesting because if that's a glimpse inside his mind, we're in trouble. Can I, I also want to go back to Beverly's question about how do rational, sane people... Closing I, thoughts, Amrita. ...sort of, like, move forward. And I, I guess what I would say is we need to not just be always focused on the presidential elections. Mm. I think that we really... One of the things that we lose sight of is the fact that much of what rules our daily life is local and that we need to be very, very... We need to be more invested in running ourselves for things like school boards. We need to be willing to back candidates for, for mayor, for you know, people who are running for city council, for sheriff. Like these, on a, on a, particularly now because the federal level is so messed up, we must be vigilant about building up a strong infrastructure in our local communities in order to protect the rights that we have and make sure that our cities and our towns remain right, sanctuaries, even though the federal government is not going the way it should be at this moment. We can't just be focused on the presidential election Mm -hmm. once every four years. The reason the Tea Party was able to infiltrate, um, you know, to the level it did is because it made a plan several years ago and said, we're going to take over school boards, and they did. And by taking over school boards, now they're in a position in places all over the country where they can actually change textbooks to erase Native American and African American history in the K K through 12 textbooks. They've been able to do that because they put the they put the plan together. Yeah. We need to be willing to do that kind of hard level work from the ground up. Already, um, now now one one parting word: we did not talk about immigration. We did not talk about the tax reform. Transfer of wealth. And we did not talk about the health care. So stay tuned, listeners. Uh, We'll have another roundtable in 2018. Begin the year, absolutely. Uh, And we may invite some others to come on and and, uh, kick around some ideas with that. Cornelius? 
Our thanks to our esteemed colleagues, Bring It On producer Clarence Boone and Bring It On contributors Beverly Callender Anderson and by phone Amrita Myers for joining us this evening for our end of the year bio roundup. And Amrita, I'd just like to, for you to know that as you were talking about the local elections and government, everyone in this room had their head bobbing up and down. So just to let you know we're right on board with you. Our show's producer is Clarence Boone with help from WFHB News Department Director Wes Martin. Our board engineer is Kirsten Payton. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Effiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I am William Hosea. And I'm Cornelius Wright. Tune in next Monday, December 18th at 6 p.m. for another exciting edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.